This recording is part two of our discussion of esrogim that grow during a Shemitah year. In part one, we went through an overview of the major issues with regard to buying and properly using and respecting a Shemitah esrog. And now in part two, we're going to address another issue with regards to Shemitah Esrog, and that is exporting it from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz Aretz. The issues that we discussed in part one largely apply both in Eretz Yisrael and outside of Eretz Yisrael. But this issue is specific to people who live outside of Eretz Yisrael. How are we able to procure Shemitah Esrogim when there is a halacha that you're not allowed to take Shemitah produce outside of Eretz Yisrael? So we'll begin with the the lengthy discussion that Rabbi Yosef Lieberman in his Chuvas Mishnas Yosef Chelek Bey's Simen Chaf Dalid through Simen Chaf Tes has on this issue. And he goes through a number of different leniencies that were proposed and he discusses them. Some of them he questions and some of them he supports. So through his analysis, we'll develop the basics of this halachic issue. And then at the end, we'll survey the views of other poskim. The halacha is very clear that you're not allowed to remove produce of Shemitah from Eretz Yisrael outside. The Mishnah in Shvius Perik Vav Mishnah Hey writes, Ein motzi in Peros Shvius L'chutz La'aretz. You cannot remove produce of Shemitah to Chutz La'aretz. And the Rambam records this halacha in Shemitah V'yovel Perikei Halacha Yud Gimel. Peros Shvius Ein motzi no san me ha'aretz L'chutz La'aretz v'afilu l'surya. You cannot remove produce of Shemitah from Israel to outside, even to Surya, which has an enhanced status compared to the rest of Chutz Laaretz. So this is a very clear halacha. But what the reasoning behind this halacha is, is less clear. And the Mishnas Yosef finds four different views in the Rishonim to explain what the reason for this halacha is. The first view is the Rash Mishants and the Raivid in their commentaries on the Torah's Kohanim in Parshas Bahar Aleph Tess where the Medrash discusses this halacha, and they explain, We're concerned that if someone removes produce of Shemitah from Israel to outside, it's going to get mixed up with the Chutz La'aretz produce, which is not Shemitah. And once all the produce gets mixed up, so that's going to nullify the Shemitah status of this produce. And now it's just going to be regular mundane produce. Because once the Shemitah produce gets mixed with the majority of regular produce, then that's going to nullify the Shemitah status of it, which the rabbis want to prevent through this rule. The second explanation is also from the Rash and the Raivid. The Raivid has both of these explanations in his commentary on the Medrash, whereas the Rash has the first explanation in his commentary on the Medrash, and the second one appears in his commentary on the Mishnah in Shvius Vav Hey. Now, this is one example of a few where the Rash contradicts himself between his commentary on the Medrash and his commentary on the Mishnah, which leads some to speculate that maybe his commentary on the Medrash was mistakenly attributed to the Rash, but it was actually written by someone else. So it's not clear if the Rash said both of these explanations or if perhaps the first one was really written by a different Rishon in his commentary on the Medrash, and this is the Rash's explanation in what he certainly wrote, which is his famous commentary on the Mishnah. Either way, the explanation is that ba'inan bior ba'aretz. We need to do the mitzvah of bior 
in Eretz Yisrael. So the mitzvah of Bior is a very fundamental mitzvah in the laws of Shemitah, and it means that once the produce of Shemitah is no longer available in the fields, so then you're not allowed to keep that produce in your home either. During the season when the produce is available out in the fields, so then people could take that produce into their home, not in order to sell or to store, but in order to eat. So if you had a few apples or oranges lying around, that would be okay so long as you were planning on eating them. But once the produce was no longer available out in the field, so it had all been eaten up or fallen off the trees, the season was over. So then the mitzvah of beer kicked in and you were not allowed to keep that species in your house but you had to do bior. Now, what bior means is a big question. There's a debate between the Rambam and the Ramban what the mitzvah of bior entails. The Rambam in Shemitah Yovel Zayin Gimel understands that the mitzvah of bior is literal. The word bior means to burn, and that's what the mitzvah means. So when the season is over, the person can give out whatever produce they have in their home to their neighbors or friends, whatever's going to be eaten immediately. But then whatever's left, they have to burn. And the Ravid also agrees with that. On the other hand, the Kesef Mishnah quotes that the Ramban in his commentary on the Torah and many other Rishonim, including Tosvos and the Rash and the Smag, all disagree with the understanding of the Rambam and the Ravid. And they understand Bior non-literally, that it doesn't mean that it has to be burned, but it means that it has to be Hefker, it has to become ownerless, but then the person could take it back into their home and continue eating it. So once the season is over, you have to take whatever produce is in your home, make it ownerless, anyone that wants can come and take it, and then you can reclaim it and continue eating it until it's done. So that's the debate between the Rambam and the Ramban. But either way, it's very clear that there is a mitzvah of bior that has to be done. And ideally, that should be done in Israel. There's a debate in the Gemara in Pesachim and Beis Amid Beis between the Rabbanan, which is actually Rebbe, and Reb Shimon ben Elazar, in a case where someone took the Shemitah produce outside of Israel, can they do the bior in Chutz La'aretz? So Rebbe holds that it can be done wherever, even in Chutz La'aretz. And Reb Shimon ben Elazar holds that you have to bring the Shemitah produce back back to Israel in order to do Bior. So according to Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar, it's very clear why you can't take the Shemitah produce outside of Israel because you're canceling the mitzvah of Bior, which you're not going to be able to do in Chutz La'aretz. But even according to Rebbe that you could do the Bior in Chutz La'aretz, there still seems to be a problem. And this is based on a comment of the Rosh and the Rush. So the Rush in his commentary on Psachim, Nun Bezim et Bez, they ask that the Gemara there tells a story that Rav Safra did take out produce of Shemitah from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz So they ask how he could have done that. So the implication is that even according to Rebbe, that you're allowed to do Bior in Chutz but ideally you shouldn't. Meaning Rebbe holds that ideally you should leave the produce in Eretz Yisrael in order to do Bior there. But if someone violated the rules and they took the produce outside to Chutz then Bidieved, they could do the Bior in Chutz And Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar holds that even Bidieved, you have to take the Shemitah produce back into Israel in order to do the Bior. 
So either way, from this Gemara, as the Rush and the Rash interpret it, we learn this idea that Bior is supposed to be done in Israel. If someone violated the rules and now has Shemitah produce in Chutz La'aretz, so there's a debate whether they could do the Bior in Chutz La'aretz. But this is the second explanation why one should not remove Shemitah produce from Eretz Yisrael, because they're not going to be able to do the Bior properly. Now, the third opinion is the Rambam in Shemitah Hey Yud Gimel. So according to the Mishnas Yosef, that whole halacha, Perak Hey, is talking about rules that stem from Kedushas Shviz, the enhanced sanctity of Shemitah produce. So by including the halacha in that section, the Rambam is teaching us that the reason why it's prohibited to remove Shemitah produce from Eretz Yisrael is because it's sanctified. So the enhanced Kedusha of Shemitah produce makes it that you're not allowed to take it from Eretz Yisrael outside to Chutz La'aretz. And the fourth opinion is Tosvos in Psachim and Bezim and Bez. Tosvos asks the question we mentioned before, why did Rav Safra take out Shemitah produce from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz La'aretz? So he offers two answers. One is the answer of the Rush, which is that it was a mistake. But then he gives another answer, which is that Rav Safra was doing business. So that permitted to take out Shemitah produce in order to sell it because there are forms of selling which are permitted as we discussed in part one. According to Rashi and the Rambam, you're allowed to sell a small amount of Shemitah produce in order to be able to buy food for immediate use. And according to Tosos, you're allowed to sell it if you do it through someone else. So either way, the point is you're allowed to sell small amounts of Shemitah produce, but not large bulk-sized amounts. Meaning you can sell a little bit here and there, but you can't do a real business with Shemitah produce. So now Tosa says that since there are cases where it would be permitted to sell Shemitah produce, so that's what Rav Safra was doing. He was going to Chutz La'aretz in order to sell those small amounts of Shemitah produce, so that's why it was allowed. The halacha that you're not allowed to remove Shemitah produce from Israel is talking about where you're taking out the produce in order to eat it. So that would be forbidden. Now, this is a question in the Achronim, and the Mishnah Yosef goes through this. What does Tosos mean over here? The Chazon Ish was very bothered. How could you say that you're allowed to take Shemitah produce out to do business, but not to eat it? That seems totally backwards. The main halacha of Shemitah produce is that it's supposed to be eaten, not to do business. So why would we allow removing Shemitah produce from Eretz Yisrael in order to do business, but not in order to eat it? So the Chazon Ish suggested that there's a typo and that really Tosos should say the exact opposite. It should read that Rav Safra was taking out the produce in order to eat it, whereas the Mishnah prohibits taking out the Shemitah produce in order to do business with it. So business is prohibited, but eating is allowed. That was the Chazon Ish's proposed emendation of this Tosvos to be in line with what would seem to make sense. And the explanation for this is that you're allowed to take out Shemitah produce with you on your trip to Chutz La'aretz as provisions for the journey. So you need to eat something, so you're allowed to take the Shemitah produce. But you can't take it out with the intention of selling it in Chutz La'aretz. That's the Chazon Isha's view. Now, in the fancy Gemaras, they point out that in all the earlier versions of Tosvos, Tosvos Shans, Tosvos Rabbeinu Peretz, Tosvos Harush, 
all of them have the same version that our printed Tososim have, unlike the Chazon Ish. That Tosos is allowing removing Shemitah produce from Israel in order to sell, but not in order to eat. So what's the explanation of that? So the Mishnah's Yosef quotes that a number of Achronim, including the Ridvaz and the Tzitz HaKodesh, and the Mishmeres Habayis. So they explain that Tosos is referring precisely to this halacha that you can only sell a very small amount of Shemitah produce. So since we know that the quantity of the sale is going to be by definition very small, because that's all that the halacha allows to be sold, so you're also allowed to remove that amount from Israel when you go to Chutz La'aretz. But to take produce in order to eat it in Chutz La'aretz, so that could end up being huge amounts of quantities, which is not allowed, so that's why the halacha said you can't remove Shemitah produce from Israel in order to eat it in Chutz La'aretz, because that might end up being a huge amount because you're allowed to eat a huge amount of Shemitah. But selling Shemitah, you're only allowed to do a very little amount. So that's why there's also an exception that you're allowed to take it out of Eretz Yisrael. So that's the explanation of our Tosvos as it's printed in our Gemaras that allows to take out the Shemitah produce to sell but not to eat, which seems contrary to the logic. But once you understand this piece, so then it makes a lot more sense. So those are the four different opinions about this halacha. Three of them are explanations for the halacha. The Rash and the Raivid understand that by bringing the Shemitah produce to Chutzlar, it will get mixed in and nullified. Or alternatively, they explain because you're not going to be able to do the mitzvah of Bior properly in Israel once the produce is taken out to Chutzlaaretz. The Rambam understands that the reason is because the produce is sanctified, so it should not leave Eretz Yisrael. And the fourth opinion is a limitation, not so much a reason, which is that Tosvos understands that this whole halacha applies to taking produce outside of Israel in order to eat it, but not if you intend to sell it. So those four positions will form the basis of a lot of the leniencies that we're going to see in a few minutes. Now, there's one more point which the Mishnah Yosef makes, which is, is this halacha that it's prohibited to remove the Shemitah produce from Eretz Yisrael a da'oraisa or a drabanan? Is it a Torah law or rabbinic? So the simple reading of the Midrashim and the earlier sources is that this is a full-fledged Torah law. It's learned out from the Psukim. So you're not allowed to remove the Shemitah produce as part of the Torah's rules of Shemitah. And the Ridvaz also seems to make a comment like that. On the other hand, the Mishnah Yosef argues that why are all these Rishonim giving reasons for this halacha? Normally, we don't explain the Da'oraisa rules of the Torah. So he argues that it must be that they understood that this is a drabanan rule. And since its origins is rabbinic, so that's why they're trying to explain why the rabbis went ahead and made a gzera, a decree, that you shouldn't take the Shemitah produce outside of Israel. Because when it comes to rabbinic laws, so there we do give reasons to explain why the rabbis went ahead and made those rules. So according to the Mishnah Yosef's conclusion, this is most likely going to be a rabbinic prohibition. 
So now the Mishnah Yosef runs through a good number of ideas which are proposed by various poskim to explain why it is allowed to transport a Shemitah Esrog from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz Laaretz for people to use for the mitzvah of Sukkis, even though the simple reading of the Mishnah and the Rambam is that this is totally prohibited to remove Shemitah produce from Israel. So one of the poskim who worked very hard to try to explain why this would be allowed was the Ridva. And as other poskim wrote, one of his main motivations for this leniency was in order to protect the economy of Eretz Yisrael, which certainly in the olden days and maybe even nowadays was dependent on the sale of Esrogim to Chutz Laaretz. And if the Esrog farmers were not going to be able to sell every seven years, so then that would have been a great difficulty for them. So the Ridvaz suggested that based on the first idea of the Raivit and the Rash, that the reason for this prohibition is because we're concerned that people in Chutz Laaretz may not treat the Shemitah produce properly and they'll mix it with their mundane produce. So the Ridvaz suggested something creative, which is this halacha only applied in the days when the Shemitah produce was really eaten by the people in Eretz Yisrael. So in order to protect the rights of the people in Israel to have access to the produce which grew in Israel, the rabbis prohibited transporting the Shemitah produce to Chutz Laaretz where it might get mistreated. But nowadays, says the Ridvaz, the whole situation has changed dramatically because there's more produce grown in Israel than the locals need to eat that year. And one of the reasons they do that is in order to be able to export the produce. So if we prohibit the exportation of the produce, that's just going to mean that that produce is going to go to waste. We're not protecting the produce in Eretz Yisrael for the people of Eretz Yisrael to eat it. We know that they're going to throw out that extra produce. Same thing with the esrogim. The extra esrogim are not going to be used or eaten. They're going to be thrown out and destroyed. So in that case, says the Ridvaz, what's the point of saying that you can't take the produce from Israel to outside because it might get mistreated when we know that in Israel it's definitely going to get mistreated and wasted? So the Ridvaz suggested that the whole halacha might not apply nowadays when the economic and farming model has changed so dramatically that we don't only farm for our local communities, but we farm in order to export. So then it might be allowed to export rather than leave the produce in Eretz Yisrael and waste it. Now, the Mishnas Yosef asks the obvious question, which is that we generally don't change halachas based on our own assessment of what the original reason for the halacha was and how things have changed, because that would be a slippery slope and there'd be a lot of things that we might propose changing. So he questions whether we can really follow the Ridvaz on this when he's suggesting such a radical change based on his own assessment of the situation and applying the reasoning of the halacha to our current model. But that's one interesting idea. Now, there's a similar idea that he quotes from Reb Shlomo Zalman Baran. This is quoted in the Chuvis Avne Kodesh. And his idea is similar to the Ridvaz, but it's more specific to Esrog itself. He suggested that in the times of the Gemara, they used to eat Esrogim. That was a food. Nowadays, we don't eat Esrogim. We basically only grow it for the mitzvah. 
So he suggested that since nowadays the whole point of esrogim changed from being a food to just being a mitzvah object, so maybe the halacha of exporting esrogim doesn't apply anymore because the whole halacha was intended to keep the food of Shemitah in Israel so people would have what to eat. If you take out all the produce from Israel to Chutzla Aretz, so then the people in Israel who can't work their fields are going to have a real problem that year. But since we anyways don't eat esrogim nowadays, so maybe the halacha doesn't apply to esrogim, even though the halacha would apply to other produce, which people do eat, but esrogim would be an exception because they're not really a food anymore, they're a mitzvah, and since we know that they're going to go to waste in Israel because there's way more esrogim than the people of Israel need, so maybe that would be a reason to allow exporting esrogim for a mitzvah. So that's a similar idea, and again, the Mishnah Yosef asks a similar question, which is how can we change the halacha based on our own assessment of whether or not the reasoning applies. Now there's a totally different question on the Ridvaz in the Sefer Ziv Hayam, which is also important. And he asks that the Ridvaz is acting as if there's some sort of problem with Shemitah produce going to waste because nobody uses it. So because of that, the Ridvaz is arguing that maybe it's better to send the produce to Chutzla Aretz where people can at least use it. But the Ziv Hayam argues that there's no problem with the Shemitah produce going to waste. There's no mitzvah that you have have to use it. The only halacha is that you can't actively destroy it. So you can't be the one responsible for destroying the Shemitah produce. But he quotes that the Chazon Ish writes that there's no mitzvah in eating Shemitah produce like someone gets a mitzvah for eating the carbon meat. It's not the same. Shemitah produce is just a prohibition to destroy. But if it's just rotting and the person does nothing about it, then that's fine. So there would be no reason to say that since the produce is going to rot in Eretz Yisrael, so it should be exported and put to use in Chutz La'aretz. So those are some of the weaknesses with the Ridvaz's first suggestion. Now he quotes that the Ridvaz's primary leniency is based on something totally different, and that's the second explanation of the Rishonim, the Raivid, the Rash, and the Rush, and they suggest that the prohibition of taking Shemitah produce outside of Eretz Yisrael is because you're supposed to do the mitzvah of Bior in Eretz Yisrael. Now, based on that, the Ridvaz argues that once the time of Bior has passed, so as we said, according to the Ramban, once the season is over, so you make ownerless all of the leftover produce that you have in your home, and then you can reclaim it and continue using it. So the Ridvaz says at that point, you could also export it outside of Israel to Chutzla'aretz because there's no more Bior which needs to be done. So it's a free agent. It can be taken wherever you want it. And now the Ridvaz adds that this is going to be a major leniency with regards to Esrogim because the Ridvaz says that there is no mitzvah of Bior for Esrogim. And this is based on his assessment that the season for Esrogim never ends because there are Esrogim which hang on the tree the entire year. So since there's never a point when you can't find Esrogim out on the trees, 
So therefore, there's no end to the season. There's no mitzvah of bior. So that means that the prohibition of exporting esrogim never kicks in because the whole prohibition, again, according to one school of thought, is in order to do the mitzvah of bior in Israel. But since esrogim, you never have to do bior, so there's no prohibition of exporting them outside of Israel. So that's the Ridvaz's main leniency why it's allowed to export an esrog. And he even adds a cute suggestion. He says, if you're worried that the non-Jews in Israel are going to pick the remaining esrogim, so there is going to be an end to the season of esrogim being available out on the trees, so he suggests that the Jewish community should hire some guards to protect the esrogim from being picked by the non-Jews. And even though you're not allowed to guard the produce of Shemitah, so the Ridvaz is very clever, and he argues that since the esrogim are grown on border cities between the Jewish areas and the non-Jewish controlled areas, so border cities, according to the Rambam and Hilchah Shemitah, Dalid, Lamid, are an exception, and you are allowed to protect the produce so that the non-Jews don't come and steal it. So applying this, the Ridvaz argues that you could set up guards to protect the esrog trees, and that way anyone that buys an Israeli esrog can be guaranteed that there's not going to be any mitzvah of bior. So this is some very creative ideas from the Ridvaz in order to allow the export of Shemitah esrogim, but as the Mishnas Yosef points out, this approach is hardly the consensus of poskim, and the other poskim disagree with the Ridvaz's leniency. Reb Shmuel Salant and the Chazon Ish, as well as the Sefer Hilchos Shvius and the Mishmeres Habayis. So they all argue that there is an end date to the Esrogim season because there comes a time when you can no longer find Esrogim lingering on the trees. So that would trigger the mitzvah of Bior, which would collapse the Ridvaz's whole leniency because once there's a mitzvah of Bior for Esrogim, so then you can't take it out of Israel because you're not going to be able to do the mitzvah of Bior in Israel any longer. And even more problematic, Reb Shmuel Salant identified the time of Bior for Esrogim in Shvat. So that's months after Sukkot when nobody wants to export Esrogim for mitzvah anymore. You have to be able to export the Esrogim in Elul much earlier. Whereas according to Reb Shmuel Salant's timeline, you can't export the Esrogim until months later. And he also quotes that the Sefer Hilchos Shvius points out that the whole issue might be moot nowadays, even according to the Ridvaz, because only in the Ridvaz's times did people used to leave the esrogim on the trees for a couple of years. But nowadays, all the esrogim that are left over on the trees are picked after Sukkis. So even the Ridvaz might have to agree that nowadays there is a time for beer for the esrogim. And that's certainly the case with the Ridvaz's clever idea to have guards protecting the esrogim because they're on a border city. But nowadays, when the border of Eretz Yisrael is much wider, so the esrogim are grown in the middle of the country, so you can't do that either. So things changed a lot from the Ridvaz's times to our times, which might undermine some of the Ridvaz's leniencies. So those are some of the Ridvaz's ideas in order to try to allow the exportation of esrogim and some of the questions that the Mishnah Yosef raises with his approaches. And again, the Ridvaz's two leniencies that we mentioned are based on two of the explanations in the Rishonim for this halacha, either so that the Shemitah produce doesn't get nullified or in order to do the mitzvah of Bior.
Now the Mishnah Yosef moves on to another leniency proposed by Rabbi Pinchas Epstein, who is the Rav of Yerushalayim. And his leniency, like the Ridvazes, is also based on the approach in the Rishonim that the reason you can't export a srogim is in order to do the mitzvah of Bior. So Rabbi Pinchas Epstein came up with a work around this. And that is based on the idea of Otsar Bastin. There's a concept that the Bastin could take over the ownership of the Esrogim. So it's still Hefker. The farmer himself doesn't own it, but it's owned by this collective Bastin concept. And then they function as the intermediaries to sell it and collect the money, and then they disperse it to each farmer. So that's a way of paying for the esrog and getting the money to the farmer without violating the laws of Shemitah of having a farmer protect the produce and take ownership of it and then sell it. Now the Ramban writes that Otsar based in produce does not require beer. So putting this together, Pinchas Epstein said that if the esrog is an otzar based in esrog, then it could be exported because it doesn't have the mitzvah of bior. And since the prohibition of exporting produce is based on having to do bior in Israel, so if there's no bior, then you could export it. That was his leniency. Now the Mishnah Yosef points out that this leniency still needs one more step because there's a missing step here. Once the Otsar Bastin gives out the Esrogim, so each individual buyer comes and purchases their Esrog in Chutz La'aretz, so at that point, the mitzvah of Bior does kick in again because it's no longer owned by the collective Bastin. It now belongs to the individual buyer. They buy their two or three Esrogim and then they go home. So they should have to do Bior and now they're in Chutz La'aretz, so that's going to be a problem. So the answer to this problem is that the Mishnah talks about the process of Bior and it says that you can give out mazon shalosh seudos l'chol echad ve'echad, a measurement of three meals worth to each person, let's say your friends and relatives, and they can keep that. They don't need to do Bior on that small amount. And then whatever's left over after that, you do Bior on. So let's say someone has 100 pounds of apples and it's coming to the end of apple season, so they need to do bior. So they would become the apple man for that day. They would give out three meals worth of apples to anyone that they knew, and those people could keep it. And then the rest of whatever was left over, they would have to do bior on. So the Mishnah seems to indicate that there's an exception to the overall halacha of bior for very small amounts of food, which are going to be consumed in the immediate future. And that's how the Chazon Ish and the Mikdash David and the Torah Shviyas, that's how a number of poskim understand this halacha, that there's an exception to the mitzvah of bior, that if it's a very small amount of food, which is going to be eaten over three meals, so then you're allowed to keep it and you don't have to do the mitzvah of bior on it. And even more so, the Chazonish writes that even if this person is going to eat it over more than three meals, so they took, let's say, three apples, which would suffice for three meals, but they're going to eat one a day. So it's going to take them three full days to finish the apples. That's still allowed and they don't have to do bior because the leniency is on the measurement of food. It's not on the amount of time. It's not saying that they have to eat this within three meals, but rather the halacha is formulated that there's a measurement which they're allowed to keep no matter how long they choose to eat it within.
So this new detail would complete Rab Pinchas Epstein's leniency because even once the buyers in Chutzla Aretz take home their esrog, so it's no longer part of the Otsar Beistin, but since it's just a very small amount, it's not more than the measurement of three meals worth. So that esrog or two that they bought is exempt from the mitzvah of Bior, and that's how they're allowed to keep it in Chutzla Aretz and not worry about doing Bior in Eretz Yisrael. So this step would complete the whole leniency. Now, the Mishnah Yosef points out that there are some poskim who disagree with this understanding of the Chazon Ish. He quotes that the Radvaz, not the Ridbaz, but the earlier Rishon, the Radvaz. So he was unsure on this point, but he quotes that Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach was strict, and he held that there is no exception for the three meals measurement. What the Mishnah means is that you should give out the three meals worth a day or two before the time of Bior, so that the produce can be finished and eaten by the time beer happens. So according to Rav Shlomo Zalman, he has a strict understanding of this halacha. All the Mishnah is saying is a practical thing, that if you give out three meals worth a day or two before beer, then they'll be finished by the time of beer. But there is no exception for even small amounts to not do the mitzvah of beer. So that's going to be a problem then in our case, if someone wants to be strict, if they buy one esrog in chutzla aretz, then they should still do beer on it, even though it's a small amount. So that might pose a problem for exporting the esrog because as we said, ideally the mitzvah of Bior should be done in Israel. And in addition, let's say someone takes the esrog and makes jelly from it, so they're going to be eating it, which is fine, but according to Rav Shlomo Zalman Arbach, they should be sure to eat it before Shvat, which is the time of Bior for esrogim. Whereas according to the Chazon Ish, it doesn't matter because it's less than three meals worth, so they can eat it for as long as they'd like. Now, another major posek who tried to find leniencies for exporting esrogim was Rav Moshe Feinstein. And his view is in a tshuva in Igris Moshe, or Achaim Chelek Aleph Simon Kuf Pei Vav, and also in a letter printed in the journal Oraisa. So Reb Moshe pieced together a few different factors in order to argue that there's a leniency to export esrogim. First, he points out that even though there's a debate between Reb Shimon ben Elazar and Rebbe in the Gemara and Psachim, whether Shemitah produce, which was exported, you could do Bior and Chutzla Aretz, but on a practical halachic level, we hold that you could do it in Chutzla Aretz, and that's what the Rambam in Shemitah Vyovel, Perek Zayin Halacha Yud Beis writes. So what that means is if someone exported an esrog outside of Eretz Yisrael, even though they possibly should not have done that, but once it's in Chutzla Aretz, it's not prohibited to use that esrog because you could do beer on that esrog where it is. Now, combined with the opinion of Tosos that we mentioned earlier, who allows exporting Shemitah produce in order to sell it, not to eat it, and then Reb Moshe adds that there's another opinion in the Rishonim, in the Rash, in the Mishnah in Shvius Vav Hey. So he says that the whole Mishnah which prohibits exporting Shemitah produce is only according to Reb Shimon ben Elazar, who holds that you can't do Bior in Chutzla Aretz. So this is a big leniency that the rabbis who disagree with Reb Shimon ben Elazar and they hold that you could do Bior in Chutzla Aretz, they would hold that there's no prohibition to export Shemitah produce at all. 
So even though that's only the Rosh's one explanation, but he himself has other explanations and Tosos and the Rosh and other Rishonim are clear that they disagree with that approach and they hold that the Halacha, that you can't export Shemitah produce applies according to everyone and the Rambam also rules that way. But still putting all these different leniencies together that we hold you could do Bior in Chutz La'aretz, that there's an opinion in Tosvos who holds that you could export Shemitah produce in order to sell it and the Rash's idea that the whole prohibition of exporting Shemitah produce is only according to Reb Shem ben Elazar, but we don't hold like it practically. So with all of this, Reb Moshe says that if someone wants to export Esrogim, they could rely on it and it would be allowed. And then Reb Moshe throws in a few more things to this list that even if the exporter did something wrong, but that's still not going to turn the Esrog into a prohibited food item. In other words, you could still use it for the Esrog of the mitzvah. And he also says that since we buy it behavla'a, meaning we pay extra for the lulav or the hadasim, and then the seller includes the esrog as a quote-unquote gift, as we discussed in part one, and also in Rab Moshe's case, the many of the farmers at least are relying on the heter mechira. So even if you don't hold of the heter mechira, but Rab Moshe says that since they're relying on what they consider to be allowed, and there's no clear cut ruling that the heter mechira does not work. So throwing all these different leniencies into the pot, Rab Moshe concludes that there's no problems using a shemitah esrog for the mitzvah, whether it was included in the heter mechira or not. Either way, he holds that it's going to be fine. Now, the Mishnas Yosef pokes some holes at Rab Moshe's leniency. One is he takes the more hardcore line on the Heter Mechira that it's nothing and people shouldn't rely on it. So that's always a controversial political point. But in addition, he points out a few other issues with Reb Moshe's leniency. First, Reb Moshe said that once the produce is taken to Chutzlaretz, you could still do Bior there. But the Mishnas Yosef points out that there's a problem because the very Rambam in Shemitah Yovel Zion Beis, where he rules that you could do Bior in Chutzlaretz, he also adds, that you can't transport the produce within Chutzlaretz. So let's say the exporter brings the esrog to the store in Brooklyn or in Muncie or wherever it is, and then the guy goes to the store and buys the esrog, he shouldn't transport it home. So that would obviously be a major problem if you can't move the esrog around once it lands in Chutzlaaretz. So what this means exactly is a big debate. The Chazon Ish and the Chuvas Tzitz Kodesh, so they understand it practically, that once the Shemitah produce lands in Chutz La'aretz, you shouldn't move it to another location, because that's just adding to the degradation of Shemitah. You already moved the produce from Israel to outside, which shouldn't have happened, and now you're just schlepping it around in Chutz La'aretz, moving it from one location to the next, which is probably ruining it. So you shouldn't do that. You should just use it wherever it lands, or do Bior, and just be done with it and not keep moving it around. On the other hand, there's another approach in the postkim to understand this halacha, and this is the Ma'ara Fulda, and the Chazon Yechezkel, and the Ma'aril Diskin, and they suggest that what the Rambam means is that you shouldn't move it 
after the time of Bior already happened. Meaning you can move it all around as much as you want, but once Bior happens, so then you should do Bior right away and not start moving it around from one location to the next. So this approach would be a big leniency because it means that you could move around the Shemitah produce within Chutz La'aretz up until the time of Bior, at which case we don't want you moving it around because you're supposed to do Bior right away and not procrastinate. So according to that approach, Reb Moshe's leniency would still work because someone could go to the store and buy the esrog and take it home so long as the time of Bior hasn't happened, which as we said is going to be in the month of Shvat for esrogim. So up until Shvat, someone could transport their esrog. After that, they shouldn't. On the other hand, obviously according to the Chazon Ish, this leniency is not going to work because you shouldn't be transporting your esrog around Chutz La'aretz at all, even before Shvat. Another issue that the Mishnah Yosef points out with Reb Moshe's leniency is that Reb Moshe says that even if the produce was incorrectly exported outside of Eretz Yisrael, the produce itself doesn't become prohibited to be eaten. So that's why you could use this esrog for a mitzvah even if it was incorrectly exported. Now Reb Moshe himself notes that the Ravid in his commentary on the Medrash so he does say that exported Shemitah produce is prohibited to be eaten in Chutz La'aretz. But Rab Moshe says that that's just one opinion. Now, the Mishnah Yosef points out that the Rash Sirlio and maybe the Marit Al-Ghazi, they might agree with this Ravid. So the Mishnah Yosef wants to suggest that maybe one should be strict and treat exported Shemitah produce as if it's prohibited to be eaten. But again, Reb Moshe would probably argue that this is a very small minority opinion, even if there's three people that hold that way. It's just interesting and worth noting that there is an opinion in the Rishonim that exported Shemitah produce is so strict that one shouldn't even eat it in Chutz La'aretz. Now, the issue Reb Moshe raises of Tosvos and Psachim, who holds that you can export Shemitah produce in order to sell it, but not to eat it, so we already went through this earlier, that this is a debate between the Chazon Ish and the Ridbaz, how to understand this Tosvos. The Ridbaz understands it the way it's printed and the way Reb Moshe quotes it, that you can export the Esrog in order to sell it, because that's going to be a small amount, but not in order to eat it. But as we noted, the Chazon Ish disagrees, and he amends our version of Tosos to say that you can export it in order to eat it, meaning as provisions for your journey, but you can't sell it. So then that would undermine Reb Moshe's leniency again because the people exporting the Esrogim are trying to sell it. So basically Reb Moshe puts together a number of factors for leniency and he concludes that it's totally fine and it's even preferable to get a nice Esrog from Eretz Yisrael that's known to be a proper Esrog. That's where the best Esrogim that don't have any concern that their hybrids come from. Whereas the Mishnah Yosef takes a more hardline approach and he puts together a couple of more stringent positions to argue that maybe it's better to not buy an esrog from Israel after a Shemitah year. So this comes down a lot to ideological views, how people see the world, whether they're trying to encourage purchasing these Shemitah esrogs from Israel or discouraging it. And we'll see that at least one of the factors in how Poskim come down on this issue has to do with broader ideologies about the role of modern Israel and related issues. Now, one more approach for leniency that the Mishnah Yosef mentions is to return the esrog to Israel after using it over Yantif. 
So he quotes that in the Sefer Shemitah Kehilchasa, there's a story that Rav Moshe Mordechai Epstein, who was the Rosh Shiva of Slabodka, when he moved with his yeshiva to Hebron, so he was living in Israel, he sent a Shemitah Esrog for use in Chutz Laaretz with instructions that they should return it after Sukkot to Eretz Yisrael. And the same solution is mentioned in the Sefer Bris Olam on Shvius and also in the Chuvis Tzitz HaKodesh. They both discuss this idea that if the person agrees to return the Esrog to Israel after using it for the mitzvah, then that might alleviate the problem of exporting the Shemitah produce to begin with. And this is also the preferred solution of Rabbi Yisrael Yaakov Fisher, the head of the Badats and Evan Yisrael, Perak Chavches Oschavav. So he also allowed exporting a Shemitah Esrog only on condition that it's going to be returned to Israel after it's used. Now, there is one final suggestion, which the Mishnas Yosef doesn't address, even though he has a very extensive discussion of all the different leniencies, but the Tzitz HaKodesh in Chelek Aleph Simen Tesvav quotes from the Maril Diskin that if you export the Shemitah Esrogim through non-Jews, so if Jews don't do it, but the non-Jews do it, then it would be allowed. So that's a final solution to this problem. Now on a practical level, so this is a big debate between contemporary poskim, whether the Shemitah Esrogim can be exported. The Mishnas Yosef quotes that the Satmar Rebbe was very against it. He felt that it violates the halacha and that it's driving up the prices of Esrogim in Israel and that there's no reason for Jews in Chutz Laaretz to be buying Shemitah Esrogim when they can just buy Esrogim from Chutz Laaretz. And obviously this reflected some of his broader ideological views. In addition, he quotes that in the Tshuvas Machze Avram from the Rav of Brod, so he has a number of Tshuvas addressing this issue and he's very conflicted about it. He goes back and forth and some of the Tshuvas he tries to allow it because of the pressing need for the farmers in Eretz Yisrael to be able to sell the Esrogim. And he goes back and forth over the issues with the Ridvaz, who was allowing it. But at the end of the day, he really doesn't believe in any of the leniencies. And if at all possible, he thinks people should avoid it. And finally, Rab Shlomo Zalman Arbach quoted in the Halichos Shlomo, Perak Yud Oslamid. So he was also strict on this. He would not send Esrogim from Eretz Yisrael outside. And in that whole section, he's pretty strict on all of the laws of Shemitah with regards to Esrogim and Lulavim. So that's some of the poskim who are strict on this issue. On the other hand, there is a group of poskim who are lenient, and we've mentioned a number of their names, but there's also some interesting anecdotal evidence of various poskim requesting that Shemitah Esrogim be sent to them in Chutz Laaretz. So the Mishnas Yosef quotes that there's a letter from the Chazon Ish himself, where he asks that someone send him a Shemitah Esrog, even though he's in Chutz Laaretz, and he just writes, Hadas Nota Lahater, that there seems to be a leniency even though he doesn't elaborate on what that leniency would be. So it's unclear what the Chazonish's leniency is, but what is clear is that he himself requested that a Shemitah Esrog be sent to him from Eretz Yisrael to Chutz Laaretz. Now the context of the letter makes it clear that there was some concern that maybe he wouldn't even be able to do the mitzvah. So maybe the Chazonish was not allowing this in all cases, but only in cases of real necessity. Now, it's interesting because in this letter, he also adds that the esrog they send him should not be mishumar, it should not be guarded. We discussed this issue in part one, that according to Rabbeinu Tam, any Shemitah produce which was guarded is not allowed to be eaten, which would invalidate the esrog for the mitzvah. So the Chazonish seems to be strict on that. Now, in Sefer Chazonish, he is a bit lenient, and he says that for the mitzvah of esrog, you could rely on the other opinions who disagree agree with Rabbeinu Tam, so you could use a guarded esrog, but apparently for himself 
or in cases where it wasn't necessary, so he was strict. And in general, the Chazon Ish was strict on the issue of Mishumar. So that's worth noting. Also, the Chazon Ish points out in Sefer Chazon Ish that this is all before the time of Bior, but as we said earlier, the Chazon Ish holds that an Esrog does have the mitzvah of Bior, so once that comes, the person would have to do the mitzvah of Bior. Now, the same approach as the Chazon Ish was adopted by the Briskerov. This is also from a letter, which is quoted in the biography of Rabbi Isser Zalman Meltzer. And this is all quoted by Rabbi Moshe Sternbach in Shuvastan Hagos Chelik Beis Simen Tavkuf Samach. And again, the Briskerov writes to Rabbi Isser Zalman Meltzer asking that he send a Shemitah Esrog from Eretz Yisrael to Europe. But he also specifies that it should not be from Mishumar, from anything that was guarded. So both the Chazon Ish and the Briskarov seem to be more lenient on the issue of exporting Shemitah Esrogim because they both request that a Shemitah Esrog be sent to them outside of Israel. But they both are strict on the issue of Mishumar because they request to not have a Mishumar Esrog. Now it's interesting, the view of Rav Kook and in the Sefer Moadei Yehuda Yisrael by Rav Yehuda Zoldan, he goes through a number of the letters and figures out based on which years they were, what exactly Rav Kook's view on exporting Shemitah Esrogim were. And I'm not going to go through all the details of the letters, but there's a few interesting points. Rav Kook was lenient to others to export Shemitah Esrogim. So in line with the lenient position on this issue, and Rav Kook was very attuned and sensitive to the economic needs of the farmers in Israel during the Shemitah year. So he worked hard on that issue. So in line with that, he allowed the exportation of Shemitah Esrogim. But he himself totally refused to export any Shemitah Esrogim. And when people would ask him himself to send them a Shemitah Esrog, he would totally refuse to do so. Now, on the other hand, when he was stuck in Europe, so he requested a Shemitah Esrog from Israel to be sent to him. So there's an interesting, delicate balance here. And he tries to make sense of Rav Kook's full view on the issue. And it's worth quoting one final anecdotal point about this. In Orchus Rabbeinu, about the stipler, Chelek Bey's page 331, so he reports that the stipler said that the Chazon Ish would allow exporting Shemitah Esrogim under necessity. So as we said, the Chazon Ish didn't give a blanket leniency, but in cases of need, he allowed it. But he stipulated that the person should eat the Esrog immediately after they use it on Sukkot. And that's in line with his emendation of Tostos and Psachim that you're only allowed to remove Shemitah produce in order to eat it, but not in order to sell it. So as we said, the Ridvaz and many others and our printed Tosfasim disagree and they hold that you can only remove a Shemitah Esrog in order to sell it. But the Chazon Ish changed the wording that you're only allowed to remove a Shemitah Esrog in order to eat it. So in line with his view, the Chazon Ish insisted that anyone who exports a Shemitah Esrog for use of the mitzvah should eat it right after Sukkot so that it turns out they were exporting it in order to eat it. And as we said, this goes against Reb Moshe Mordechai Epstein's preferred solution that they should send it back to Israel when they're done using it. So there is a debate between Reb Moshe Mordechai Epstein and the Chazonish, what's the best thing to do after Yantif? According to the Chazonish, they should eat it. And according to Reb Moshe Mordechai Epstein, they should send it back to Israel. And both of these are intended to solve the problem that it's prohibited to export Shemitah Esrogim to begin with.
Now, the anecdotes that we quoted from the Chazonish and the Briskarov and their letters are interesting, but they're not proof that these poskim would have allowed the types of large-scale sales that we do nowadays, because these are just very small exportations of one or two esrogim. They're on a very small scale, just one person sending it to one other person. So that's much easier to allow than the types of large, bulk-scale sales that we do nowadays, where they're exporting huge amounts of esrogim, and that's much more difficult to allow. But we've noted that there are a number of poskim who allow this, including Rav Moshe Feinstein, Rav Pinchas Epstein, the Ridvaz. So there is certainly what to rely on in order to do large-scaled exportation of Shemitah Esrogim for people in Chutzlar to do their mitzvah with.